Cause we're talking with T-Bird now Miss T-Bird, you cannot change Oh, 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 oh. Miss T-Bird, you cannot change And things might get pretty strange Yes, that's right. Talking with T-Bird is back. And if I am uh, not incorrect, T-Bird, is this episode number 10? Yes! This is the 10th one? This is one? episode number 10. Are you kidding me we've, right now? We've done, we've two, done 10 of these since the end of Survivor Edge of Extinction. Is that right? Yes. How does no, that happen? <laughs> I don't know, but that's that's for exciting. Hey, let's get this like out in the months. open right now. I know you're really tired. You've had a long week. I don't think you got much sleep last night. I'm gonna have to pull you through this podcast, which that's what we do for each other. Yes. But this is gonna brighten your morning in case you haven't heard, because I think you were flying last night. Mm-hmm. New York Mets last night. What did they do to my Braves? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was following along. The Braves almost came back. So uh, that's. uh, No, I kept watching. I'm thinking what it was, you know, and then I 10 to 8. What I mean, the game that never ends. Yeah, I I didn't know that you uh, live and die with every pitch on the Braves. Well, they were playing your team. I had to have something to open up with. Right. (laughs) No, actually. Yeah. Well, I, I just was, yeah, I was watching it. We uh, we keep up with it. My husband and I mm-hmm. keep up with it. It's the Braves. Yes. It's the Braves. And I and you know my good friend is the coach. I know, I know. Ryan Sticker. And they're having a good year. So, they're having a great year. Mets and he needed that he one, was, though. He got coach of the year. I don't know if that's how they say it mm-hmm. in, in sports, whatever. But Manager he's, he's an awesome, awesome guy. So Yes. Okay. Well, I just got back in uh, last night. We're recording this on Friday morning. Got back in uh, very late last night on Thursday. I was down in Orlando for the podcast movement conference where I was speaking on Thursday. And so uh, picked up a lot of uh, good stuff, had a lot of nice uh, meetings down there. And then here I am back to uh, talk with T-Bird about our, we're going to interview another uh, legend of the game from Survivor, the Australian Outback season number two, Roger Bingham, a.k.a. Kentucky Joe. Yeah, I have to hit that one too. Yes. Okay. I am so crazy excited about this. I can't stand it. It is our first player that we have talked to from Australia. Mm-hmm. And I think Australia was a pretty memorable season, I guess you might say. Yes. Okay. So, before we get started, because Roger, I, I can't wait to get him on the, on the line here. There's a couple of firsts for this season. I mean, I and bet there's a, so, a lot of firsts. You no, know, I got to quiz season. you. Well, okay. there's a lot of firsts. So, give me, there's one first and last so far for this season. A first. And a last. First, you know uh, what it is. Last season, that was 42 days. Okay. Yes, absolutely. That was one. And the other one is, this was a first. Of course, there was only one season before, and I won't spend too much time. It was the first live finale. Okay, got it, got it. And haven't they all been live since then? Yes, yes. They do a live finale okay. ever, right. ever so, since then. Okay. Now, also, then, they have had one more thing. 
I won't spend too much time again on this one either because I'm going to see if you can name them. I think up to this point, they have had the most returning players to play again. Yeah. I believe. Now, with that being said, I'm going to quiz you here because I know you're so good and I want you to impress the listeners because I already know you're going to know this. Name the eight players that have played again. Okay. So the people that have come back from the uh, Australian Outback, uh, I'll go. Just it's easier for me to think about them in their uh, boot order. So, uh, Kimmy's come back, and then Scoopin uh, came back, and then Varner came back, and then uh, Alicia came back. Jerry came back. Amber came back. Colby came back, and Tina came back. That's eight. Wow, that was great. You didn't even hesitate. I knew it. I knew you'd know these, so I'm impressed. And okay, that's awesome. My, my Absolutely. job. Yeah. So yeah. now, okay, so okay. really quickly, as quickly as quickly as you name those eight, you can do this really quickly. And I think most of the listeners, whether they're fans or super fans, can do this. Name the boot order. From the Australian Outback. Uh, so it was Deb, then Kel, then Mad Dog, uh, then Mitchell. Then Kimmy, then Scoopin got medevaced. Then it was Varner, and then Alicia, and then uh, this is where I get uh, it's a little uh, muddy for me. I think then it was uh, who was it, Jerry or Nick uh, that went that Mm-mm. went for? Oh, oh, go with your gut. Go with your gut. What, was it Jerry? Go ahead. Yep. Jerry and then and then Nick and then Amber and then Roger and then Elizabeth and then Keith, Tina and Colby. I'm sorry, Keith, Keith, Colby and Tina. That's right. Awesome! Yeah. I knew you'd do it. That's awesome. Yeah, I always forget I whether whether they got rid of Jerry first or Nick. That was great. You did it though. Not you that I think about it. that you, a you... lot, but yeah, that's uh, you know. All right, T Bird. Very excited to talk to Roger today. Of course, uh, we want to take a moment before we uh, call up Roger to thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. And uh, this is a fun one. I know that you are a animal lover and a dog lover. So this is going to be perfect for you. Embark Dog DNA Testing Kit. When I was down at the podcast movement, they had a booth for uh, Podcast One, and they had puppies. They had all, all these puppies at the booth. So <laughs> I got to see all these. I, I was I, I was holding them, T-Bird. I was taking pictures. I was dog fishing uh, people with uh, all my pictures of uh, me holding all these puppies. And it was, uh, a, it was a lot of fun. And Embark Dog DNA Test Kit is great for any dog owner because... It allows you to learn more about your pup's breed, ancestry, health, traits, and even find your dog's relatives. You can detect 250 breeds and screen for 170 plus genetic health conditions so you can know how to best care for your dog and create a training and health plan. Tiber, what kind of dogs do you have? Well, we have a little Cavalier Spaniel that has the kids growing up. And she's bless her heart. She's about thirteen now. But then we have we have one that's a rescue, Molly. Our Molly. We've got Lola is our Cavalier, and um, Molly is our rescue. This this DNA testing. How cool is that? 
you know, some people are so into their pets. It's great. Yeah. You know, what kind of dog is your rescue? We think she's part Papillon. Yeah, part Papillon and part something else. We're not sure, but she looks like a little Papillon. Yeah. Well, now you can know so, for yes. sure because we have a friend, uh, one of my wife's friends, uh, a woman named Al- Alyssa. We uh, gave, we got the Embark dog DNA kit for her. And she ended up doing uh, doing the whole kit, sending it back in, and she got the results back from her dog, and she was uh, very happy with the, the results came back. The, the dog is thirty three point six percent Chihuahua, twenty seven point three percent Poodle, nineteen point seven percent Shih Tzu, uh, and nineteen point four percent Super Mutt. I didn't even know that that was uh, that, that was a, a thing. Uh, and then it gives you all this other test results about your dog. You can improve uh, your dog's quality of life and learn about your dog's ancestry all the way back to the uh, grandparent, great grandparents. Even meet your dog's relatives and discover other dogs with a similar breed. So go ahead and check it out. The Embark Dog DNA Test Kit is the most comprehensive kit on the market, looking at over 250 breeds and 170 genetic health conditions to help you best care for your pup. Embark is the only research-grade dog DNA test kit on the market. Embark analyzes 100 times more genetic information than any other product on the market. It's the best-in-class dog DNA test. And right now, for our listeners, Embark has an exclusive summer offer that you can't get anywhere else. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code ROB to save 15% off your dog DNA test kit. That's E-M-B-A-R-K, like a barking dog, Vet.com and use promo code ROB to get that 15% off. Discover your dog more than fur deep. Visit EmbarkVet.com and use promo code R-H-A-P to save. I just want to know this. If you brought a puppy back for Dominic and Anthony. Did uh, you, no, I did. Did I, I, I did that. My flying with a dog days are, are behind me, T-Bird. Everybody knows all kids need a puppy or a dog to grow up with. That's why I got Lola for Tyler and Ellie. So what are we going to do? If you got them like a hamster or a bird or... A little what? Well, something in yeah, what? Let's, Turtle. Let's talk about new pets for my kids uh, at, at a later date. Are you are you ready to jump in with Roger? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, T Bird, take it away. All right. So today I am honored to have a survivor from the top rated show of 2001. According to the Nielsen ratings, they had a range of about 30 million viewers a week. Survivor the Australian Outback, or simply Survivor Australia, was taped in Queensland, wet and tropical, for 42 days with 16 players. I would definitely argue that most of these players, no matter what boot order they were voted out, are either known by their first or their last names. Keith, Mad Dog, Colby, Amber, Jerry, Alicia, Tina, Mitchell, Deb, Kel, Nick, Varner, Elizabeth, Kimmy, Scoopin, and last but certainly not least, Roger, a.k.a. Kentucky Joe. It premiered right after Super Bowl 35. CBS had big expectations for this one, and it did not disappoint. This gentleman, born and raised in Kentucky, a farmer, 
was a perfect candidate to be cast. And even at the age of 53, when he played, he had all the credentials to be the sole survivor. Self-proclaimed workaholic, he used his knowledge he had in construction to build shelter. He was able to adapt to different personalities and situations. He's a teacher with a master's degree in education, CEO of a bank, owner of a lumber company, owner of a hardware store. He is inventive, diligent. It would only make sense that he would add survivor castaway to his resume. I would tell you at age 72, I got a feeling he's still a workaholic. Whenever I've talked to him the last couple of weeks, he's been out bush hogging, building a reception on his farm. He lasted 36 days, finished fifth, and is one of the most loved and respected players of all time to this day. I am over the moon excited to welcome Roger Bingham, also known to all of his super fans as Kentucky Joe, on today's Talking with T-Bird. Wow, well, that's very kind of you. My, my head is swollen up about three times its normal size. <laughs> <laughs> that was very, very, very nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, Roger, if anything ever happens to me, I'm going to have T-Bird do the eulogy. She's going to be in, char- in charge of that. Okay, T-Bird, you got oh, that? You got it. Don't even talk okay, like thanks. that. <laughs> Roger, this is so thank exciting. It's, a, it's so great to hear your voice. Well, thank you. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have social media and things like that. And uh, I've been so busy doing other things. And uh, uh, the lady that I'm engaged to, Tammy Cornett, a uh, very beautiful young lady, I might add. She takes care of all... If I need to find somebody or somebody needs to find me, they can go to Tammy Cornett, uh, her Facebook page, and uh, they can contact me through her. Okay. All right. Good. And you'll to- also see a picture of her, and she's a, a beauty, let me tell you. Okay. All right. Well, uh, hopefully we get to hear uh, <laughs> more about what's going on uh, with that. But, Roger, this is a re- really a, a thrill. Anytime I've gotten to uh, talk to you, I feel like uh, I, I, I saw you – uh, that you had come out for one of the finales uh, a few years ago, right? Yes. My, well, I've been to two or three of them. Of course, they got to be so many survivor people. You know, it was harder to get uh, tickets. The last one I was at was uh, my uh, grandson. He was 12 years old. I guess, well, yeah, he's 12 years then. He's 17 now. So I guess it's been four or five years ago when I came out to L.A., brought him with me and mm-hmm. uh was able to finagle around, finally get finally get two tickets to go. Cool. And I got, I got I've got a granddaughter now that's ready to go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go to one of the finales this this next next year and take take my granddaughter along on that one. Okay. How many grandchildren is it for you? I've got two. I didn't have any when I was on Survivor. Wow. Uh, I've got a uh, got a young man, uh, seventeen, and uh, uh, Porter, and then my granddaughter Macy. She's fifteen. So. The both of them play soccer, and I go to, I go to ninety five percent of their games. Okay, Roger, could you tell T Bird and I about how you ended up getting involved with Survivor in the first place? Of course, that your season was such a phenomenon, uh, and I know that there was such a big casting search that went on to find people for Survivor's second season. Uh, I'd be glad to. There was almost uh, uh, forty nine thousand applicants for the second show and uh, i had watched the first season on tv and 
and decided then, I said, if they do a second show, I'm going to send in an application. I've always been enthused and interested in people that went through survival situations. And I always found myself watching movies like that or reading books or articles about people who were in survival situations. So when that show came along, I said, I've never sent in an application for a show in my life. But I said, I, I did send in one for that. And of course, the process then, they narrowed it down to 49,000 down to 800 people. And at that time, there was 12 places in the United States you could go to be interviewed. Well, I, I picked uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, went up there and was interviewed uh, by a young lady. And I could tell then that they were interested in me because they kept me in there over an hour. And we were, we were all in a waiting room and some of the people weren't back in there 10, 15 minutes. Uh, but anyway, came away from that feeling okay. And then it got down to the final 50 of us. And, uh, of course, we were out in Los Angeles for a two-week period and took a test. Uh, of course, I know you guys know this. It was over over 1,400 questions on the uh, – it took two days to take. And interviews, Mark Burnett was always there. It always had all the interviews along with Jeff Probst and Lynn Spillman. And I could always tell that Lynn Spillman didn't like me. Uh, she didn't think I was right <laughs> for the show. She never did come out and say it, but but I, but I could just tell. I, I picked up on that real fast. But at the same token, I could tell that that Mark Burnett did like me. Mm-hmm. So after being out there about uh, uh, a two-week period, I got a knock on the door. Uh, it was on a Wednesday night about 9 o'clock, and there we'll forget it. And in comes Mark Burnett and Jeff Probst. And uh, this is exactly what Mark Burnett said to me. He said, Roger, he said, I got some good news for you. And I got some bad news for you. Said the good news is you've been selected to go to Australia to be on Survivor 2. And the bad news is you're going to skydive out of an airplane to get on the Australian continent. You're leaving for skydiving school in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I was really happy about the first part of that, what he had to tell me. I wasn't that excited about the skydiving part. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've, I don't ride roller coasters. I've never ridden a roller coaster in my life. Don't plan on ever riding a roller coaster. Uh, so the idea of jumping out of an airplane didn't appeal to me. So, uh, so we all did go to skydiving school, different, and I had no idea who the other 15 people were that I was going to be on the show with. We all went to different skydiving schools uh, all over the United States. But, of course, if you watch the show, we did not have to skydive. Uh, I went through the training. Some people, from what I understand, had actually made a jump or two. Mm-hmm. And the reason they didn't do that was because of insurance. So. That was basically how I got on the show. show. And uh, yes, we did kick friends out of the number one ratings that, that year. They'd been rated number one for several years, and we were fortunate enough to knock them out of the number one ratings. Yeah. How are you doing, friends? Right here comes uh, Survivor, the Australian Outback. Now, when you went to skydiving school, you didn't a- actually do a jump. They just what uh, talk you through like, OK, uh, hold your body like this. Okay, I went through all of the training. Uh, some people, like I said, I found out had made a jump. Because, like I said, we were all sent to different skydiving schools all over the United States. I had went through the training, had put my parachute on, I think it was on day three or day four, and was walking out to the plane to make my first jump. And I don't mind telling you, I was not looking forward to it. But I w- was going to do it. And uh, so we were walking from the office out towards the plane, and the guy in the office hollers back and tells me I got a phone call. So I turn around and go back, and it was CBS, and 
uh, survivor folks, and they said, hold up on making the jump. They, they said, we're having problems getting insurance yeah, on, wow. on all of you people. So they kept me around there then for two more days before they decided what they was going to do. And of course, they ended up changing their mind and not not doing the... Uh, and it was more than just jumping out of an airplane and then pulling the cord. We were going to jump out at 12,500 feet and then free fall down to 5,000 feet. So you're dropping over a mile through the yeah. sky, you know, before you ever pull that cord and then and then hopefully float on down. So, uh, right. yeah, that's one time I was glad it didn't work out. Yeah, that was like you were going <laughs> to the electric chair and the governor called. <laughs> yes, got a reprieve from the governor. You better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Were y'all actually, were you going to do it tandem or were you jumping by yourself? We were going to jump onto the Australian continent by ourselves. The first, where I was taking taking my lessons, we were going to go out. We were not going to be attached together by any straps. I was going to hold, have a hold to my instructor's chute. We were going to be facing each other. He would have a hold to my chute and I would have a hold to his harness we would jump out together and he told me he said now sometimes when you jump out we get separated he said if if we do he said if we do you just go ahead and pull your your cord don't don't you know don't look at your altimeter till you get down to five thousand feet so uh but yeah we were going to skydive uh individually nobody attached to us onto the australian continent now you didn't end, end up doing the jump, but you did have to jump off of that cliff. And that was a, 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 another famous moment in that season where you had to do, what, a 70-foot jump off of the cliff? Yeah, Jeff Probst said it was around 60 feet. And the only instructions he gave us, he said, when you go to the jump, he said, run and jump out. He said, if you just step down and go straight down, he said, you'll hit the side of the cliff going down. He said, run and jump way out. For me, that was honestly the scariest thing I have ever, ever done in my life. Uh, but you know, I had prepared well, myself physically. I was, uh, in good shape. Could have been a little bit better cardio strength wise. I was in exceptional shape to be on the show. Um, so, and mentally, you know, I had tried to prepare myself mentally. Because I knew there would be some things that I probably wouldn't enjoy doing. But I said, you know what? If, uh, if those younger folks, the rest of them do it, I can do it too. So I uh, did not enjoy doing that. I honestly, and this is, and I told the rest of them when we got up on shore that day, uh, I have no recollection of, <laughs> I remember jumping out off the cliff. And then as soon as I jump out, I remember thinking to myself, what in the world are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then I do I do not remember falling. I don't remember hitting the water. The next thing I remember is popping my head, popping back through the surface of the of, of the water. And I've I've never experienced a I don't know if you call it a blackout session like mm-hmm. that uh, in my life, but that's I did then. Now the one thing that they didn't show right after that when we all got up on shore that we were all amazed about, and we would all get on. Uh, the, the internet and email, of course, there wasn't, you know, all these cell phones and things like, and text message and then, but we would all email each other back and forth. But the one thing they didn't show, when we got up on shore, all of us had leeches on us. And they were oh, coming. No. Yeah, we had leeches. So we're getting them leeches off and them things. 
they'll get in your trunk. They can get in places that you can't even dream about them getting. And uh, so that was the first priority was to get all those leeches off of it. Now, Roger, it was not just that you had to do this uh, death-defying jump also, but it was into water where you had some issues with swimming, right? That's that's correct. I brought up on a farm, but uh, the only... I was in my 20s before I was ever in a swimming pool. And the only uh, water I was in was farm ponds. And then was the same ponds that cattle frequents. And uh, so, you know, I was in those sometimes, but not. And they would have usually a, a foot of mud in the, in, the, in, the, in the bottom of them. So I never had learned to swim. And at that time, I had had a in-ground swimming pool in my backyard for 12 years and had never been off the diving board. Uh, well, my daughter and son-in-law, daughter Angela, she said, Dad, she said, you better learn how to swim a little bit. So uh, she's a PE teacher and teaches swimming lessons also. So so I got to where I could go off the diving board, which is about three feet up off the water, and then swim over to the side. I never did swim all the way all the way to the end of the swimming pool. So, uh, yeah, that, that for me was a scary, scary thing to do. Yeah. And they didn't show this on TV. I made it over there about two-thirds of the way. And I was doing, I was dog paddling, breaststrokes, and uh, I was doing strokes that they didn't even have names for to try to get over to that to that uh, And uh, I got over about two-thirds of the way, and I went down uh, a couple times under the water. Well, Mike Scoopin, we had talked about it, and he was, he had jumped off first, and then, I was the last one, so he swam back over and was there waiting for me because they knew I couldn't swim. Well, he ended up helping me, grabbing a hold of me there about two-thirds of the way over to the crate, and and I got my senses back out uh, to myself. You know, that's what it's all about, just keeping calm and collected and thinking about what you're doing. So then I was able to make it uh, the rest of the way over, over to the crate. Mm-hmm. We did lose that challenge. However, one of our members went to the was swimming to the wrong crate. It wasn't because... I was a slow swimmer, although I was a slow swimmer. <laughs> hey, Roger, what did you put to, to be noticed out of 49,000 when you first applied? What did you do on your audition video? I was just curious. I guess you didn't do any swimming. Well, I was in the pond. I'll just tell you a little brief scenario of what I did. I, I got a 46 Jeep, uh, open top, an old Army Jeep uh, that I drive around critting in here sometimes. So I got it out and I put on bib overalls, which I normally don't wear a bib overalls unless it's worn concrete or something like that. Then I'll wear them. But put on the bib overalls and I pull in up and we we ran through this thing one time. We taped it one time and sent it in. Pulled up in the middle of town and I'm uh, was laying the small town image on, which I am from a very small. At that time, we didn't have any stoplights in the whole county, and. Uh, so I'm uh, get out of the Jeep and talking. I'm showing them the bank and the store and the church where I go. And, and that's basically the whole town. And then I tell them, I say, well, I live on a farm. So then I'm on a tractor and I'm talking all this time. Then I'm on a tractor out on my farm around my cattle feeding a couple of roll bales. Uh, then I'm, then I'm on a bicycle pumping up a hill, uh, coming up from my house, which, uh, I was riding a bike a lot at that time. And was talking about the first survivor and uh, Richard Hatch being naked and in the nude. And I said I would, I said I would have voted his butt out a long time ago if I had to sit out there and look at him. So, so uh, 
And then at the end, um, I go out in my pond. I take a butcher knife, big knife out of the kitchen and uh, go out in the pond about chest deep. Well, I go down under the water. Then they start the camera. And then I pop up with that knife in my mouth and I take the knife out of my mouth and I say, look in the camera and I said, I will be the final survivor. There you go. Kentucky Joe. So when you saw the first one, you wanted to play, but did you just want to do this for the adventure? I'm going to say it had nothing to do about the money. Am I right or am I wrong about that? It, It honestly, for me at that time had absolutely, you know, I wouldn't say that I couldn't use the million dollar, but honestly, I never thought about the money. The day that I was out there playing the game, I did want to win as bad as anybody out there. And the show was new. And to be honest with you, our show was more about surviving the elements, uh, especially uh, uh, most of the time. You know, it does come down to who you form an alliance with. And uh, um, But for me, it was about the challenge. It was about the adventure. Uh, I was the oldest person on the show. I wanted to uh, just, you know, prove that I could still hold my own with, with people 30 years younger than me and more, and more than that even. Uh, so for me, that's, that's, that's basically what it, what it was all about. And that's, that's probably why Lynn Spillman didn't think I would be a very good, cause I had made that comment. I said, for me, it's really not about the money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was just about the, uh, the overall challenge of it. Yeah. And that ended up being a, a thing on the show where when it came time for your number to be up, when it was yeah. down to the final five, you were the first person and, and really one of the only people in the history of the show that said, OK, well, you know what? Uh, let let this be my my time. Uh, let let Elizabeth that she's, uh, you know, a, a younger person. She's just getting started. Let let her go one spot further than me. That's that's basically what you just said is exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, for me, like I said, wasn't about the money, and we knew there was me and her were the only two left. Elizabeth and myself were the only two left from from the Kucha tribe, and of course there was three on the, from the other tribe. So we knew, or we felt like we were, unless we could have won a challenge that we were going next in line. So they, they actually, the three of them actually came from the other tribe, actually came to me and said, which do you want to go or do you want Elizabeth to go for next? So they actually gave me the option of choosing if I wanted to stay another three days and, uh, or did I want to give up my spot? And, uh, and, uh, you know, she was younger, just getting started. Of course, you know, she's been very, very successful now with her life. Mm-hmm. Which is which is great. So for me, it really wasn't a hard hard uh, thing to uh, uh, decide. Actually, yeah, you guys had that uh, very special relationship on the show, which was a, a big part of the Australian outback. And then uh, Elizabeth yeah. was such a, a like America's sweetheart during the taping of the show, and then she went on to have uh, you know the you know this incredible career that nobody yeah. could have imagined uh, would have come out of the show. Do you think that that was because she ended up being on one extra episode of the show because you let her take your spot, Roger? Was, <laughs> do you think that that's probably no. what it came down to, that she had that one extra episode no. of TV time? 
No, I had I had nothing to do with that. If she if she'd been on there uh, thirty six days like I was, or if she was on there thirty nine days like 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 she was. Yeah, Roger, I think I think you launched her career, don't you, Rob? I think he launched her career. <laughs> well, I do. I hey, to do I gotta with ask that. this, Rob. Please, hey, Roger, I gotta ask you this. I gotta ask you this. I gotta ask you this. So. Like I said, I, I pretty much knew, know or knew that you were out there for the adventure. Now, let's play this scenario. If you and Elizabeth had been the final two, instead of Tina and Colby, of course, would you have told the jury you wanted Elizabeth to win because she was young and maybe needed the money? Or at that point, would you have said, I really want this title? Would you have fought to take the title yourself? Oh, man, that is a tough, 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 tough. At that time in my life, not honestly, not really needing the money, you know, it would, you know, we could always use it, but not really needing it. Um, I probably would have done just like I did it when there was uh, five of us left. Yeah, I probably would have, which is just now in today's thing with it being a game. I honestly don't think, you know, it is a game. Everybody knows that it's a game, and uh, if I was playing the game today, probably wouldn't do it, no. Mm -hmm. But back then, yeah, I probably would have. Yeah. Well, I think Colby did that, didn't he? Colby taking Tina was kind of somewhat the same thing. Yeah, you know, he, uh, you know, unless he thought that, that, that he could beat her, and it was a close vote. I think she only won by one. I, I voted I voted for Kobe in the end, and yeah. And looking back, you know, Tina was just as deserving. But my lord, uh, Kobe won. I think the last last five challenges. I think if I remember correctly, and and when we would go to a challenge, he would actually get a different look on his face. I yeah. mean, I got to, I got to watching him, and uh, when we'd go, he, he his whole facial expression changed, and he was ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that that was a uh, he got second place, hundred thousand. So that was a nine hundred thousand dollar error there on yeah. his part. <laughs> yeah, did not take Keith. Yeah, it didn't take Keith. Yeah, somebody asked me today. I said, yeah, I said I was one of the losers, and the guy said, the guy there was two or three people around. He said, oh, you came out a winner on that show. I said, well, I don't know. I said the difference between what first place winner and and what I got was nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was just just today when somebody was was kidding me about that. Yeah, uh, and that was back when nine hundred twenty-five thousand dollars used to mean something, right, Roger? Yeah. Well, it still does here in Kentucky. You know, <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm teasing. I'm, te- <laughs> I'm teasing. In LA, that'd, it'd be a different story. Yeah. But yeah, you can still do a lot with. Uh, the nine hundred twenty-five thousand go go a long way. Here. Yeah, and then was it a close decision for you between Colby and Tina? You know, I knew it was going to, and I, I had told some of the, and really, we I never discussed it with anybody. Now, I don't know if some of the other people discussed it among themselves, but nobody ever asked me who I was voting for. Not not Elizabeth. I didn't ask her. We didn't discuss it, and uh, and I don't even remember who she voted for. To tell you the truth. But anyway, I ended up voting for uh, Kobe, and it was it was a tough choice. And uh, but by him winning all those challenges at the end, mm-hmm. just put himself right in uh, 
you know, into the finals, outwit, outlast, outplay. And I, I just, for me, I just felt like maybe he had done just a little bit better than Tina, although hey, Tina is a very, very nice person. And so is Kobe. Mm-hmm. I'm real good friends with both of them. Uh, but I thought maybe he did 55% and she did 45% or yeah. something like that. Uh, and Elizabeth uh, cast her vote for Tina to win. So you guys were not on the okay. same page that day. Okay. Well, see, we like I said, we never did never did discuss that. I was thinking that she had voted for Tina. Because her and Tina, uh, they got to going fishing, and Tina could fish a little bit. She knew how to fish. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elizabeth, of course, when we were, uh, uh, before the tribes merged, I taught her how to fish, and and we would go, that's probably why we became such good friends, because we were out there fishing. She'd go with me every day. And uh, I don't know why some of the other people didn't go, but anyway, they didn't. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, on a show like that, I've come to the conclusion, if you was ever in a, a real survival situation, with say 20 people, you'd have some people that would just sit on the beach and moan and groan about woe is me, you know, why am I in this situation instead of getting up and doing something about it? Mm-hmm. And uh, and you had, you know, we had, although most of the people on our show, I figured there would be a few slackers, uh, and there was one or two uh, that, uh, you know, didn't, I didn't feel like carried their load, and I was ready to vote them out early on. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and, you know, we talk about voting, uh, going to tribal council, they didn't show me it as being in the mix really as much as I actually was. I, every tribal council that I went to, of course, everybody always thinks this. They always know who's going to get vote. But I knew and was right every time when we went to a tribal council, the person that I thought was, was going to be voted out was the person that got voted out. Even the night I got voted out, I knew I was, mm-hmm. you know, give, give myself up there for that. So, yeah. Now, Roger, I'm. I suspect that you know this, but I I need to say it because you are somebody who uh, I I don't think that uh, you get the credit for this because you started something that has become now a fixture on not just Survivor but Big Brother and all of these shows, even the Amazing Race. Sometimes people don't always tell what their occupation is, or sometimes they end up giving an occupation out to everybody that is something that might paint them in a better light. And you were the first person to ever do this on one of these shows. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to tell them I was just a farmer, you know, and uh, uh, washing machines sitting on the front porch and, you know, things like that. Right, yeah. horse to school or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, they were. I think one of the questions they asked her who, which one of the survivors has a, a master's uh, degree, and I don't, I don't think any of them, I don't think any of them put my name. Down. <laughs> yeah, and I honestly can't remember that. That's been so long ago. Yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about that? So, did you feel like that by telling them that you had a master's degree and that yeah that you were uh, a uh, a college professor? Do I have that right? Well, no, I'd actually been running a bank, tell you the truth. Okay. And uh, and I'd done a lot of other things. I'd put in a subdivision and I'd put in a, a mobile home park. Uh, 
And uh, then I bought another mobile home park, and then I bought a lumber company and a hardware store. So I, I'd done a, <laughs> several several things. I never did mention any of that. Yeah, on the, on the show. So for, and, in, uh, in in your mind, when you said, "Okay, I'm going to tell everybody that I'm a farmer," was it because that you wanted them to uh, potentially underestimate you, that not to know uh, how? Uh, you know, how capable you were in all these other fields, or was it that you were uh, concerned that they would think that if you were uh, a person of means, then that would be a reason to get rid of you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not what you call real wealthy. I am good enough. You know, it was just that time to take care of myself, uh, pretty, pretty nicely. And yeah, I just felt like because one of the people out there made a comment talking, they was talking about this and that, about different things that some of the people had. And, and they said, well, they didn't think they des- deserved it because they already had a lot. And I looked at them and I said, well, I said, if we was going to do that, we should have just all filled out a financial statement. And yeah. then they could set in some office and look those over and we wouldn't <laughs> have to be out here putting ourselves through this misery, starving to death. <laughs> and we did. We were, our show was, I, I lost uh, 35 pounds in 36 days. Uh, and, and I, I caught conservatively, uh, well, when Mike Scoopin was still on the show, one day he'd catch the most fish. Next day I'd catch the most fish after he got hurt and had to be airlifted out. I caught conservatively 75 or 80% of the fish caught by the entire group. Uh, but I, you know, I was also smart enough to know, you know, as long as I was putting food in their mouths, they wasn't going to be in too big a hurry to vote me out. I didn't think. Uh, I, I felt like our show was more about surviving Mother Nature uh, than than the shows uh, later on. I think the uh, Survivor uh, Africa show was was extremely uh, physically demanding. I know when I was in L.A. trying out for Survivor Two, if I heard this once, I heard it thirty times from the people out there that was interviewing me or giving me tests. They would say Survivor Two is going to be physically much more demanding. Then Survivor 1 ever thought about being, are you sure you want to do this? That seemed to be the the uh, phrase for all of them to use. Are you sure you want to do this? Because it's going to be much more physically demanding. And and they 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 actually did, did make it pretty rough on us, I thought. Uh, but anyway, it was uh, it was an adventure of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to have done it again. They have called me. I, on four other occasions, and then never have taken me after they've called me. Of course, I'm not any spring chicken anymore, although I do. Even though I'm 72, I go to the gyms two or three times a week and and usually lift more weights than what guys in their 40s do, to be perfectly honest. That's not bragging. That's just a fact. And yeah. uh, so I do, I do, do try to stay in shape. Roger, if they called you today at 72, would you go out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can. I can do fifty push-ups. I doubt if there's uh, a third of the third 50, of the people. That's, that, the, that's great. That's that's yeah. That's, that's really good. That's not chicken feed for a guy seventy-two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you yeah, know I about would, chicken feed because you used to eat yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. We did eat that. That was my idea because I've done that. You know, in the in the, around the farm. You know, you can eat this grain and it's got molasses in it and. uh you know, I've done that for years. So we got that chicken feed. So I'm sitting there one day eating it. And they said, well, I said some of them said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm eating this chicken feed. And uh, so then we ended up using my hat to sift it, sift it out because we could get the, the dust, some of the dust out of it. 
and because I had a hat on it, it was like a mesh hat. And uh, so they all got to eating it. Then they got to frying it, and some of it would pop up like popcorn. And uh, yeah, the, the the only problem all of us had with us, it would it, <laughs> it would give all of us gas. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so that was the only downfall to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Rudy played at seventy-two. Yeah. Borneo, and he lasted to day 38. So, Roger, my money's on you Well, Lynn, going back like and, and, and making it to the Lynn end. Spelman never did like me. Well, then, I don't uh, think you have to worry about I'm that anymore, Roger. Well, that's, 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 yeah, what I, that's, that's what I know. Of course, I'm not any spring chicken anymore, neither. But I went, uh, I wrote her a letter, and it, it was a very nice letter. And this may be one reason why she quit calling me. But anyway, they'd had one show where I think they, and you all probably know more about this than I do, where they'd had 12 people from California out of the 16 on the show. And and I may not be right on that, but that's what I looked up at the time. And that was what I thought it was. And well, I may be wrong, I may be, but I think I'm right. So I wrote her a letter. I said, and the ratings were down. I don't remember which show it was on that show. And I wrote her a nice letter. And uh, of course, you know, I knew, knew the addresses were to send it, but Never did hear nothing back, but in the end, I said, you know, if you're going to, you know, we have all these people from California, you may want to change the name to Survivor California instead of Survivor, you know, <laughs> and I was, I was, I was very nice about it, but Atta boy, Roger. And, and you know, the reason I did that, because I love the game. Yeah. The, the ratings were down. I usually don't do things like that, but the ratings were down and it's common sense that if you've got people from different states that people in that state are going to be a lot more involved to have somebody to root for. Just like when I was on, I was teaching school up here at Grant County High School at that time. And uh, I was getting so many emails. I would get to school at five o'clock in the morning to answer my emails. And I answered every one of them back uh, before school started at, at eight. And uh, that just goes to show, you know, and it's the same way. Somebody from Indiana, you know, you're going to have the people from Indiana rooting for them or North Carolina or wherever. So uh, the last time she called me was, uh, I think, on Blood Bur- or no, it was uh, Mike's. Uh, she, this was exactly what she said. She said, Mark Burnett wants you and Mike Scoopin uh, to go to uh, uh, the next show in Guatemala. Well, if you remember, they ended up bringing back Bobby John and. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Stephanie on that, but originally we were, we were going to be on that one. And then they called me on the uh, blood versus water deal. Uh, and my, of course my daughter, she sent in a, in a, a tape of herself and, and uh, of course we didn't get picked for that one. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, yeah, I would go, I'm not quite as fast, not quite as uh, springy as I was strength wise. I'd probably be hold my own with most of them in their forties and fifties. Uh, uh, I would think pretty pretty easily. Now, Roger, you mentioned that you you know uh, have been you know uh, following at least what's been uh, going on with the show. You talked about how the game has uh, has changed. Uh, how how close do you follow Survivor uh, all these years later? I've I've watched every show. I still wow. have people ask. I still have people ask me about right. it all the time. Did you see the show? What do you think about this or about that? And uh, so I always, and if I'm not home, I'll set it to tape. And uh, the show has definitely changed. You better be, 
you be, when your feet hits the uh, hits the dirt or when you're first able to talk, you better be formed an alliance and just hope and pray you formed it with somebody that's 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 going to be halfway truthful and loyal to you. Mm-hmm. It, it's very it's very very little about surviving the elements, surviving Mother Nature. Now mm-hmm. uh, it's all about you know forming alliances and uh, uh, you know and backstabbing and. Uh, uh, you know things, things of that nature. For me, I really enjoyed the the uh, survivor part of it. Being from the country, I mean, I know we had they had an old lantern there. They'd give us a lantern. Well, it was a kerosene lantern. Well, they, we got thing. A couple of them got it out there one night when not a one of them knew how to light it. And you know, when I was a kid growing up, didn't have any electricity in the barn. That's what we'd use when we go to the barn. We'd mm-hmm. light that lantern. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there was another time when we got some chickens. Well, not a one. I don't want them to do how to get the feathers off of those chickens. And I always thought if I'd have just kept my mouth shut, that could have been a, a very, very funny episode. Mm-hmm. Because your season in the Australian Outback was about a group of people versus the, the elements, uh, just as yeah. much as it was a group of people playing the game of Survivor uh, against each exactly. other. Yeah, it, I mean, there was there were things that, you know. Uh, that there was, you know, definitely moments with uh, different people, especially in the, the first half of the season, uh, a lot of stuff, but, you know, between the conditions that you guys uh, ended up facing and then uh, there was that super dramatic moment where the flood happened, Roger. Uh, could you oh, talk yeah. a little bit oh, about, yeah. about that when the flood came and washed the rice away? Yeah, washed the rice away. Now, we had set up our camp in what they called a dry creek bed. Now, they showed a little bit of this on TV. Didn't show near as much of it. We actually did a, a hand vote on it. Because I was adamantly adamant against building our campsite in where we built it in that creek. I even turned around. I said, you all see, there was a big gully coming down, right? Down to where they was wanting to build their camp. I said, you see that big gully washed out? I, I, we're all standing there. I said, sometime or other, there's water comes down that gully. Now, I could have took you down in eastern Kentucky, down the mountains, and any any fourth-grade kid would have known you don't pitch a tent right where the big gully comes down to a river. Right. But so we actually, and Kobe was against it, too. Well, we actually did a hand vote on that, and I lost, and so we built our campsite right, right there. Well, we're away at a challenge, and I'm telling you, it came the awfulest down for I, I actually thought it was a hurricane. The trees were bending over and it was lightning. It was it was dangerous to be out in in the woods the way it was lightning. I mean we were all a little uh uh taken back by that because I mean we were in <laughs> we were in a bad situation with all that lightning. Well we get back to camp and sure enough everything had, had washed away. I say everything. Uh I had taken a Bible as my uh item uh, that I could take with me. And it was laying up on a high spot right in the camp and virtually everything else had gotten wiped away. But honestly, that Bible was still, was still laying right there where where I, where I, where I left it. But uh, anyway, the rice got washed away and that was a very, very dangerous uh, things that Tina did. And then uh, Keith, there was a big tree blow down, and this mm-hmm. water was rushing down through there. Well, he goes out on this tree, and the water is up about ankle deep. And I told him, I said, Keith, I said, if you fall off that key off that tree 
backwards and get swept down underneath that. I said, you're going to get caught up in a limb. I said, they won't get you out of there until that river goes down. And that was, that was an extremely mm-hmm. dangerous thing for him to have done. I mean, very, I, I tried to talk him out of it, but he went on out on it. And then of course, Tina went downstream. Of course, she was a excellent, excellent swimmer. Yeah. And, uh, and she was able to swim out. There was like a little Island out there in the river. I was able to get over and that rice had gotten stuck over there on that, on some tree branches over there. And they were able to, to get that rice and uh, bring it back. And, uh, otherwise all that would have, would have been gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, another time where they didn't show this on TV, but when the two tribes merged together, we had to, of course, the men had to go down to where the women were camped. Right. So we get down there. Well, the river is about three times wider than what what it was when the show first started and we crossed it. When we crossed it the first time, I found a great big uh, tree. I I mean, it was pretty good size. It was all I could do to carry it. Uh, And it was just a a short piece, about 10 feet long, but it was pretty big in diameter. I carried it up there and floated out in the water, and I floated across with that that tree. Well, (laughs) we got back down there. The two tribes merged, and the river's about three times wider, literally than what it was when we crossed the first time and the water's moving on. Well, I got a, one of the containers of water and, and it was about half full. And I thought, well, I can float. That thing will float a little bit and I can dog paddle. So I get trying to, everybody jumps in, takes off and they all, you know, they're all leaving me and I'm trying to hold on to that thing and dog paddle well, for about ever, about every foot that I would go towards the other bank, I'd go about three feet downstream. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's 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 not getting that's that's going the wrong direction. So Tina saw me, and this was actually the first contact we'd ever had other than seeing her at a challenge. She saw me, so she comes swimming out and grabbed a hold of the container with me and and uh, said, "Just keep kicking your feet." And so she brought me she brought me across to the other the other side. Um, but they did they didn't show that on TV. Roger, if, if uh, I could just touch on that moment you're talking about where you went to go and they, they told you, OK, send your men to this camp. And then uh, so so you and, and Jeff and, and Nick uh, thought you were going to go and then you were going to go to the other camp and then see, and you were yeah. going to be with Tina and Amber and Jerry. Uh, yeah. and, and then they they switched it up on you. But they send they sent uh, the the wi- uh, the women to go and then have uh, the the meetup. Uh, I-, I loved that scene, uh, and yeah. it's so it was so funny. And then when you get there, uh, you guys are talking about how you were expecting the women, and Colby says to you like, "Well, Roger, I, if if you if you want, I'll put a skirt on for you if uh, that'll, <laughs> if that'll help." Yeah, we were all we were all disappointed, you know. It's look up and see them big old ugly men coming in. We hope some of the some of the nicer looking ladies would be, would be coming in. <laughs> so yeah, we, well, they actually came to, the men actually came to our camp. Yeah. So the men met up there and then our women went to the other, went to the other camp. So yeah, that was a, that was a kind of a funny, funny moment there. We, we were all a little, a little down on that. I don't know why, you know, it really didn't matter, but mm-hmm. uh, we just had, we just had it in our mind that that, that, that was the way it was going to, was going to be so that was just another thing they did uh i'll tell you one other thing they did when they when the show first started they put us on that uh, military plane starting yeah. that's the way they started the show well that 
plane was uh, was an actual Australian military plane. It had oversized engines on it and could land and take off in the shortest distance of any plane that they had in the military at that time. So when they threw the coals to that thing, you know, the throttle, I mean, it would set you, you know, you could you could definitely feel it. Well, right before we, they got us on that plane, they had this table set up outside there, and it had all kinds of fruit drinks and punch and bananas and apples and oranges. Oh, boy. And they said, overload on all that stuff, vitamin C's. So you're going to need it when you get, you know, you're not going to have any of that in the outback. So we're over there just chowing down, just gorging as much of that stuff. We still weren't able to talk to each other. We weren't allowed to say a word. Eating as much as that as we could get. Then we board that. After we get done doing that, we board that plane. And then for an hour and a half, that thing is up and down and sideways. And literally, we were strapped in against the side of the wall. Because that's what it was, a military plane. And that thing would go, would bank, and you could look across the plane at the windows across the aisle, and you would see the land. That's how steep that thing was going in and out. Did that for an hour and a half, just and a bunch of people got got sick naturally. So uh, the bananas got just about up to my chin. Oh. <laughs> so I was able to keep it all down, but a lot of them didn't. Roger, how did you come about? I think you got the name Kentucky Joe out there in Australia. How did um, who gave you that that nickname? Well, um, Alicia gave me that name. She seemed to think I had an accent. I I thought myself and Tina was the only from Tennessee was the only two that spoke normal out there. But uh, she <laughs> they seemed to think I had an accent, and uh, so one day she just hollered, "Hey, Kentucky Joe," and uh, and and even now here in the state of Kentucky, somebody will say. You know, down the mountains, or they'll say uh, Roger Bingham. Or you know, that name sounds familiar. And they'll say Kentucky Joe, and they'll say, "Oh yeah, Kentucky Joe." Yeah, they they do remember the name Kentucky Joe, which is fine. Did you did your life change at all from being on Survivor, especially on one of the the most infamous seasons? Did it change at all for the best, or went back to well, normal you know, fairly quickly? Well, well, no, not really too quickly. Mark Burnett, when they came in, that at the uh, live finale, he come in the night, uh, come into the dressing room there, and he was talking to me, and he said, are you sure you're ready for all this after Survivor? I said, yeah. I said, it, uh, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, maybe a month, three months tops. Well, I I did appearances for a good year and a half solid. I mean, I was going somewhere every weekend flying all over the United States. I was in Canada three times. And these were paid paid events. Yeah, uh, you guys it, were like the a, Beatles. It was. I'm not kidding you. It <laughs> yes, was, they were. It was a yeah. thousand. It was a thousand times more than I ever thought it would be. I know. I went in. The first inclination that I had that it was going to be crazy. I went in. I've lived in Grand County here all my life, in in Kentucky, in Crittenden. Lived here all my life. Like I said, at that time, I was teaching school for a few years. Well, the show had aired. They wanted me to come over to the middle school because they were doing uh, challenges. Well, I go in over there at the uh, middle school and the grade school, and those kids were crazy. And I thought, well, these kids know me. I've lived around here all my life. Which I thought something else was going on or something. Mm-hmm. But they were cheering for me, and I thought, well, isn't that, isn't that nice? And I was, I was quite taken back by it, to tell you the truth. So that was the first inclination, and uh, but it was a good time, you know, even though I didn't win Survivor, still made some pretty decent money. Had a great time, met 
just a world of great people all over the United States. And uh, I did a thing up in Canada for Kentucky Fried Chicken and mm-hmm. uh, one in Florida for Procter & Gamble and then uh, all commercials and public uh, speaking. I did a lot, a lot of speaking engagements. Uh, just, But it was a fun, fun time. Roger, did you have an agent? Yeah, I did. I actually had an agent. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. And uh, he did the bookings for me, took care of they, you know, I, they, somebody wanted me to come and speak, you know, they'd pay for the plane flight and the hotel. And, and uh, they had, she took care of all that booking and made it pretty simple for me. I wonder, do you know out of the 16 of y'all, how many had agents? Did all of y'all have agents? Or do you, you might, you may or may not know that. Uh, I honestly don't know. Tina did, I know. And, um, of course, uh, Elizabeth did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really the rest of them, I honestly don't know. Don't know. So Roger, I know you keep up with the show that did you follow, uh, the season that a, another fellow Kentuckian went on to win with yeah. uh, Kentucky Nick. Yeah, I'll tell you a little story about Kentucky Nick. Before he made it on Survivor, there was a piece of property up here at the courthouse steps that was going up for sale. Well, I went up there to bid on the property, and uh, he was there from eastern Kentucky uh, representing somebody. And when we got done, he came up to me. He said, aren't, he said, aren't you the guy that was on Survivor? I said, yeah. So I stood around and talked to him. For 10 or 15 minutes there, just nice guy. And of course, as you've seen on TV, and I said, well, don't, don't give up trying. I said, you're at the right age and everything. I said, so then he, then he made it on. So I was, I was tickled to death for him. Yeah. Uh, and he went on to win. Went on to win. Yeah. Have you seen him yeah. since he won? Yes. And I, yeah, I have. I've uh, been at an event with him, a charity event up in uh, Ohio. Uh, since he since he won, tried to borrow some money from him, but he. <laughs> well, he let you borrow it. I would yeah. do that. <laughs> uh, so, Roger, nice. not only yeah. not only did you launch Elizabeth's career, you launched Kentucky Nick into getting in Survivor and winning, right, Rob? You well, yeah. You've started all this commission on some of this stuff. Yeah, I know it. He had already sent in an application, and I but I but I told him I said some people have, you know, that I've heard that have got on, you know. If, I've been trying for several years and I said, don't, don't, don't give up. So I don't know if he sent back in or, or if he got called right after that, but, uh, yeah, I'd actually met him before he, before he ever, ever went on survivor. So I was tickled to death and that, that he, that he uh, made it. Roger, uh, can I ask you a little bit about your Kucha tribe that you played with that you guys were, yeah. uh, the, the eight of you together. It's a very iconic tribe. Can you tell us about uh-huh. what it was like to play with Deb Eaton? Deb Eaton. Deb was a very nice lady. Uh, little, maybe a little bit on the bossy side and setting her ways. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But I knew that they would be looking at me because I, you know, they always look at the oldest person, and I was the oldest person on my tribe by uh, quite a, quite a bit, I guess. If I was fifty three. I don't know. The next one would have been probably ten or twelve years younger than me at that time. But anyway. I knew that, and from what I understand, watching the show, they were actually looking at me. Because mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth went went ended up going to bat for me. I didn't know that at the time. But anyway, that we're sitting around there, or laying around there the first night or two, and uh, some 
some, of the, some of the girls were expelling uh, gas, and she took uh, she didn't like that and was voicing her opinion about yeah, it. And that was before you guys and, were eating uh, the kucha corn. Yeah, that was before that. Yeah, and I mean it got it got a little heated. She got a little mad, and I'm I'm actually to be honest with you, I'm laying there smiling because I knew then. I said, "You're digging your own grave." And I said, I thought to myself, they're going to be looking at her. They're not going to be looking at me first. And yeah. sure enough, that's that's exactly what happened. And, and I knew going in, I said, if I can stick around a few days, if this is a real survival situation with it, which it actually honestly was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we could have called for help. But, as, you know, you were out there on your own. I knew that I could probably do more than Anybody else out there, as far as being able to ride for the group and building shelters and fires and things like that, there was only one other person out there that was that could have got along with that. If Mike Scoopin and myself had just been the two of us in the outback, we could have got along very well living out there mm-hmm. because he he knew he knew uh, what to do. But other than that, uh, to be honest with you, the rest of them didn't have any knowledge hardly whatsoever about how to survive in a real survival situation. Mm-hmm. But I there again, I've always read books. I've got a, I've got a couple of videos on YouTube. One with me making a, a fire with a bow and drill, and another one with a magnesium stick, and uh, and then another one uh, stranded in my old forty six Jeep, and I'm able to build a fire using the Jeep and uh, different things like that. I've actually been trying to get on alone since Survivor hadn't called me back. I don't know if you've ever watched Alone. That's there again. That's that's a pretty pretty tough show but anyway yeah, they, they haven't called me neither brutal. yeah that is brutal yeah you got to know what you're doing yeah so roger debbie was actually 45 so she wasn't that far age-wise from you but yeah. i guess like you said would i guess she was getting into it with varner wasn't she so that's what oh, got yeah. her she knocked was, off and then i think they were into- looking at you again to go yeah and then kimmy yeah. and then kimmy um was it Kimmy and Alicia that got into it with each other? So that that pushed Kimmy out the door. Yeah, that 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 helped push. And I'm sitting there thinking, when they got into that castle, I started to go up there and get in between them. And I thought, well, if I do that, either one of the two or both of them are going to be mad at me. That was a you know one of the two was probably going to be mad at me. And if, if not both of them. So I just I thought, well, they're both grown women. I'm just going to stand back. Now, if they just started swinging or something, we'd have jumped in. and Which it didn't look like it was going to come to that maybe there for a second or two. But uh, Kimmy kept all the water uh, and that uh, boiled up. And to be honest with you, that was an all-day job. Nonstop, keeping enough water boiled for us to drink. You had to do that all day long. And of course, I don't know, you know, drinking that warm water is not much fun, neither, to be perfectly oh, honest no. with you. Terrible. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. That is the only thing that I actually craved out there was ice. Man, I would have given anything for a big old uh, uh, tall glass, anything with ice in it. Mm-hmm. Roger, I know that there was uh, also some conflict over when you guys got the chickens. We talked about the chicken feed, but... There was some discussion about when to eat the chickens, and uh, yeah. Kimmy was not a fan of of that. How how, how did you feel uh, about all of the drama that was going on over the chickens? Well, you know, she got to 
giving them names, and that's a mistake. You know, you know, I live on a farm. I never give an animal a never. name because if you do, you start becoming too attached to it. And uh, I know my fiance; she's mentioned that when I had cattle, I said, "Why don't you give them names?" I said, "Then you don't want to get rid of them." Well, Kimmy was a vegetarian, and uh, we did make a sacrifice. Some of the the hens there were laying eggs, so we let we gave her the eggs, let her eat those, but. Uh, uh, I looked at that chicken. I was tickled to death to get those. And uh, uh, when we were deciding to, to process one of them, they said, how are we going to do it? I said, well, we're gonna, axe is the most humane way to do it. So uh, that was that was what we ended up doing. And then I think some of them ended up uh, doing that herself. I think Elizabeth did that once, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, used, used an axe on one of them. But, yeah, you know, if you're playing a game like Survivor, you know, you it's it's a little tougher on you if you go out there and you're a vegetarian. You know you got to you got to keep the strength up. Uh, I don't know how much weight Kimmy lost there before she before she got uh, voted out. But uh, all of us, everybody on our show, and was towards the last was starting to have uh, dizzy spells. If you were, and it wasn't just me because I was the oldest. Everybody was having. If you were laying down or were squatted down, and would go to stand up you'd have a major, major dizzy spell. Mm-hmm. I mean, major. I've never experienced that before Survivor, and I've never experienced it after Survivor, but I did experience that while I was on the show. And uh, they actually sent in a, a doctor, or maybe I shouldn't be telling this, they sent in a doctor about, well, there was five of us left right before I got the axe. Like and the uh, took each... Like yeah, the yeah, like the chicken. <laughs> Yeah, well, it wasn't, it wasn't quite that severe, thank goodness. Yeah, but anyway, doc, the doctor uh, took each one of us out of camp and uh, uh, and examined each one of us. And I come to find out, one of the show producers had had gone to Mark Burnett and had had told him that some people they didn't think was going to be able to finish the show uh, if they didn't you know get a little bit more to eat. It was getting so weak, and uh, so he took us all out and examined each one of us. And, and uh, I don't know what he did for the other folks. He just examined me and sent me back. I guess my vitals were okay, but Elizabeth's hair was actually coming out. Yeah, she could she could reach up there and pull out a clump of hair. I remember. And and that's 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 getting pretty pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you when you can do and and that's why Scoopin fell out fell into the fire. He was squatted down by the fire, and we had been fishing that day and actually formed an alliance that day. And was, I was going to ask Elizabeth, of course, we were, you know, I'm sure she would go in with us. And then uh, I get out of the canoe downstream to, to use the bathroom facilities, which was a big tree that was blowed over. Yeah. <laughs> and I find some leaves. So I get out of, get out downstream. And then he comes on up into camp. And then uh, he squatted down there and he goes to stand up and he has one of them dizzy spells. And down he goes right into the fire. Mm-hmm. So that was not a very. You know fun the other tribe, Roger. The other tribe. I I think I had had read that that Jerry Manthe, that crazy Jerry Manthe, that you gotta love yeah. her. She thought yeah. when they heard that something had happened on the other tribe, which was Mike that Michael was falling into the fire, they thought that uh, Jerry thought that you had had a stroke. Now, what do you say yeah, about that's that? What she, <laughs> I should have just smacked her for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought, what's up with that? Just because yeah. I'm the oldest, see, there you go. She was. 
That's what I don't they, know, 25 or 30, 30, probably 30 at that time. I don't know what she was. Uh, yeah, she was 30. Jerry was 30. Yeah, 30. That's what I thought. Well, you know, I was 53. She thought I was an old man. And uh, so, yeah, that's the first thing. I, I remember that, her saying that. Mm-hmm. thought I'd had a stroke, the yeah. nerve of that young girl. Yeah. Roger, but I, I do want to ask you about, so I, I don't know if this is something that you have any insight into, but before your season started, there was a lot of rumors about you and that you had fallen off a horse and you, do, do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly okay. what you're talking yeah. about. And, that was, that was, I don't, I think that was just put out there to be false information. So yeah. Okay. So survivor used to do this. So they would put out like uh, yes. fake news of to throw yes. people off the scent. Yes. Yes. To throw off the scent. And that's exactly what that was all about to get people off the scent. And, uh, I don't have any horses anymore. I have, I have had a horse on the farm every year. Well, even my dad had horses on the farm, but uh, last 10 years, my old horse finally died and I just never did get another one. But, but yeah, that was, if anybody had been falling off a horse, been one of them city people, it wouldn't have been me. Yeah. Well, let me, let me just set this up because, because uh, Teresa, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I remember that. No, well, I'm asking yeah. T Bird. Does T Bird have any idea what, what what I'm talking about? No, no okay. I do not. So I, I, I remember, I remember this vividly, where I, I was yeah. super into the first season of Survivor, and I remember I was driving back up to my college uh, in Oswego, New York, and I remember they must have talked about it on the radio because there was no yep. like I wasn't like on the internet looking for these things. They were like, "Hey, Survivor, the Australian Outback, it's going to premiere after the Super Bowl." Well, guess what? Uh there's a guy who uh that he's fallen off a horse and uh, was very mm-hmm. badly hurt during the yeah. the filming of this. Yeah. So, did you ha- and 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 they talked to, and it and it was this uh this guy Roger uh, and, or I don't know if they pieced it together. Then once the cast came out, that you must have been the person. That, but when when yeah, Survivor they, are they riding horses? I guess they thought I was doing it out here on my farm or something. But yeah, that was that was supposed in the. I think it was supposed to be have been me that fell off a horse. And I thought, well, why in the world would they pick me? Because I'm 53. I said I could probably ride a horse better than 90 percent of the rest <laughs> of the group that was on the show. Uh, <laughs> But yeah. anyway, yeah, that, that's some of the stuff that they do. Now, when we was in Australia, uh, one one day, uh, uh, one of the producers came into camp, which they never, ever, ever did this, and said that there was a plane flying over trying to get photographs of us. So they made all of us stay in, told us to stay in our shelter that we built as much as we could. Mm-hmm. If we heard a plane to hide behind a tree. And so they supposedly now, I didn't see this, but this is what we were told happened. They dressed people up to look like us. Even had me with some guy with a green hat on, uh, like I wore on the show and paraded them, which they were people that worked for Survivor, you know, a crew, mm-hmm. paraded them around out in the outback. And the plane went over and got pictures of them. And so then come back and said, oh, they got pictures of the survivor. Well, it wasn't. It was, it was some of the crew dressed up. That's how crazy it was back then, yeah. you know, yeah. people trying to get, get, get pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's wild. They, they went yeah. to such lengths of, uh, of, of doing it. I mean, I remember in, 
in, in Survivor All-Stars that they brought us all to the Tribal Council one night. And then they made us all take, even though I, I was voted out in my first trip to Tribal Council, it was actually my second yeah. trip to the Tribal Council. They brought us there one night and they just made us sit in all these different chairs of like, okay, now let's sit these two together. Let's sit these two together. And they took these pictures. And uh, so these, I feel like they used to do a lot of stuff to try to uh, combat uh, any spoilers that were out there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. They do go to amazing lengths to do that. And that's probably a, a good thing. There are spoiler sites you can get on. And uh, I don't know why. We hate, we I hate them, Roger. I, I did yeah, that we do. Just, to, just to see if it was correct. And I did not enjoy watching that season, the whole season. And they were correct. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't ever, ever do that. I enjoy watching the show. I love the show. It's a great concept. Mark Burnett, first rate guy. I don't know if he was around when you all were filming your all shows, but we would see Mark Burnett every time we went to a challenge or went to tribal council. We never did talk to him. He would be standing over to the side, but now he was there when we boarded the plane and uh, come around uh, in our huts where we were staying and looked at the clothes that we had laid out. And uh, each one of us went in individually and sat down at a kitchen table there and talked to him and uh, Jeff Propes and, uh, Nice guys, both both of them. Both of them are very, very, very nice so, guys. Rob, I don't know if the, if Mark Burnett was out there, but he was out there in Africa also. He was there with his two yeah. boys yeah. and his wife at that yeah. at that time. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. wonder now. I'm sure it's changed a lot as far as that goes, but it was cool because he was out there the whole time on Africa too with his with his boys, yeah. you know, behind the scenes. So that was neat. Yeah. Hey, Roger, what, what do you think about all the idols and twist and edge of extinction and all that? And how would you play now compared to back, you know, on season two, if you had all these idols and twists and things to, to well, use? I think it's I think it's that it's uh, more excitement. You know, if they would just kept the same thing over and over and over, it would. I do sort of hate it that they've gone away from uh, more of the actual survival part of the show, you know, where you're actually trying to survive uh, against mother nature. I do. I don't like that part too much, but the, uh, yeah, all these other twists, I think it's been interesting. I'm, I'm amazed sometimes how some people just sit around and don't go out and look, you know, you have some shows where people don't even seem like they want to go look for an idol. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course there's been some people I wonder sometimes how they found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, so do you think, have names, you seen for but, season 39, they're going to have advisors, Sandra and Boston Rob? Do you think yeah, that Sandra yeah. and Boston Rob, either one could given you enough information to have gotten you, as, you know, instead of being the fifth one voted out, you could have won? you think they could have given you something to help you? Uh, well, honestly, early on, you mean if I was going on now and never had been on a show? Yeah. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it, of course, it's been uh, 2001 when my share show aired. But, yeah, if he was going on now and uh, was a fan of the show, I'm sure they would could probably have some insight. You know, let's face it, both of them have won. Sanders won, what, twice? Yeah. Uh, and uh, Boston yeah. Rob's won, and then Boston Rob's wife there has won. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I would I would think that they probably could give you some. Um, uh, help. 
Hey, Roger, that's, I got that's, some that's, advice that's, for you. If you're going to go back, <laughs> you give me a call, okay? We're not riding yeah, okay. any horses. <laughs> well, I can still ride a horse. <laughs> How long did it take you to put that 35 pounds back on that you lost? Well, that's just about what I put back on, too. Uh, I started out, you know, trying not to put it back on, and that seems to be my natural weight with 35 pounds. <laughs> that's where I've been for ages. I was actually weighed what I weighed when I played basketball in high school when I got off a of Survivor. I mean, I had to go out and buy a new wardrobe. All my pants just hung on me. They'd fall right off of me. And I come off of the show, and I know Africa show was like that too. And uh, so it it took me a while. I do love my ice cream, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You stay in touch with with many of the players now from your season, Roger. Uh, once in a while, uh, a few of us will talk. Uh, Tina, I'll talk to her maybe once every year or two, and Liz the same way, maybe once every year or two. Uh, I actually keep in more touch with with Big Tom, to tell you the truth. Uh, he's, he's been up to my place, and I've been down to his place two or three times. We've been to met and gone to a couple of U.K. basketball games together, and uh, we kind of have a lot to talk about, him being the farmer and me you know, growing up on a farm. And... Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. They showed him as showed Big Tom as being a poor old goat farmer. Well, he did have, I think, 250, <laughs> 200, 250 goats. Well, he also got 1,200 acres and runs 1,000 head of cattle. Mm-hmm. But they never showed that. And, you know, same way with me. My When they'd come out here to film on my farm, I uh, the barn I had at that time, a tornado's taken it down since then. But anyway, I'd put new metal siding on the front and both sides. Well, the back of it, couldn't be seen from the road. Well, every time they'd come to film, we'd go around to that backside of the barn, the one that never had any metal siding put on. And that's that's where they'd always film. So, which didn't didn't matter to me. They, one day we was around there filming, and I didn't know this till later. Mark Burnett, uh, I seen him later on after that, and he come up to me. He was asking if my cattle was up there in back of me, and they was filming. Well, the the uh, the bull cow and the uh, one of my heifers decides to get frisky right there behind me. Oh, so they they had all of that on 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 video. <laughs> <laughs> T Bird, do you have anything? Uh, any special questions for Roger? Well, I wanted to ask Roger. So um, you appeared on the View with Elizabeth. What was it back in? Been a few years now. Two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Well, I was on there twice, actually. I don't remember actually what year it was. They had me on, so was how on there did twice. that, what did you, how did she bring you out or what did you talk about? And Well, the first time she didn't know I was coming. The view had contacted me and they they kept me hid in a back room back in there. And uh, she didn't know that I was going to be there. So uh, now the second time that I went, uh she knew that I was that I was coming. I was coming with her and my fiance Tammy and her daughter and and uh, and some other folks. And uh, so she, you know, arranged for us tickets to get into the view and what have you. We actually went two days because we found out that uh, all them guys that was from uh, where they from Louisiana with the beards. I can't think of their names now. They 
Lord, they were very popular. Had a show on TV. They would make duck calls. Duck Dynasty? Uh, so, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Duck Dynasty guys, yeah. My fiance found out that they was going to be there the second day. So we ended up going back two days in a row because we wanted to see them. And we did. We went backstage and met them. Very, very nice guys down to earth, just as they appear on TV. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to ask him one thing, too, that just kind of crossed my mind. I know you I don't. You didn't have any interaction with Kel, but after the fact, as you're watching it back, did you find out, did Kel actually have beef jerky? Does anybody really know for sure? Okay, all I can, you know, he, Kel was on the, the other track. All right. I can tell you is the, the night of the live finale, we're out in Cal, we're out in L.A., and uh, I go in a room. There's nobody, but uh, the Amber was in there. Kobe was in there. Jerry was in there and somebody else. And I went in and closed the door and I said, okay, well, I got you all in here. I said, I want to know one thing. I said, did Kale have beef jerky with him? And they all said yes. Okay. So that's, okay. that's all I can say. Bam. I there know, it is. I, I, don't, I don't know any other thing about that he was on a different tribe but that's what they all said he was so, in there with know. you when you asked was kel in there no, as kel well was not, kel was not in there no no there was, okay, uh, was Amber. track him okay. down see if he you can find him let's get let's get him oh, in there yeah. we'll ask, we'll ask him directly this yeah now, I, you know you don't have i'm just telling you what was told to me so you know i have no way of knowing for sure because i was not on that tribe but all four of them definitely said he had it. Of course, Jerry was the only one that supposedly seen him, seen it. But he might have, if my memory serves me correctly. So, uh, all right. I don't know. Okay. They did. They did check all of our our uh, backpack the morning before we boarded the plane. We had to empty everything out, mm-hmm. and they went around and checked it and made sure we didn't have anything in there. You know, if you were supposed to have one pair of socks, you had one pair of socks. Uh, you know, two shirts, you had two shirts, no, no food or nothing like that. So, uh, they did, they did check all Hey, that. well, Roger, we got frisk. We, yeah. I mean, Africa, I guess that was because of the kelp and the beef jerky thing for Africa the next season. We got body frisk. It felt like going through TSA at the yeah, airport. Yeah, well, you got used to it. Because they were make sure yeah. that didn't uh, happen again. They just told you that. They just wanted to frisk you. They didn't really. I'm really looking for anything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can understand that, you know, since, the, you know, if they thought he had it. And, and I don't, like I said, I cannot say for sure he did. I wasn't on that tribe. But when I went in that room and seen who it was, I shut the door behind me because I wanted to ask them. And I just asked them all point blank. And they all said that he did have, so I don't know. Okay. Haven't seen or heard from Kel since the show. Yeah, nobody has. No. Where's Kel? I've seen Deb. Okay. Well, he's from. He's, Just gave me an idea, from, Roger. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Bird dog. Bird dog's gonna be all over this. <laughs> all right. Bird. Bird dog. You have any more questions for Roger? Well, I, let me tell you a little bit about what I'm doing now. In case any of you all, uh, of course, I know both of you all are hitched. I'm building a wedding venue on my farm. Whoa. We called Bingham. I got a 70 acre farm. I'm 28 miles south of Cincinnati, right in Kentucky, right off the interstate. I'm building a uh, 
wedding venue that'll seat 300 people, kitchen, dressing rooms, a fancy gazebo out back. And, uh, uh, you know, if anybody wants to get hitched in another few months here, we're in the construction phase right now. Matter of fact, that's where I was at seven o'clock this morning until I come back up here at 1130 to wait to talk to you fine folks. So anybody wants to get hitched, hey, we'll have a website up and running and uh, they can contact, like I said, Tammy Cornette. My fiance, she's uh, she does all my uh, yeah, <laughs> all my Facebook stuff. <laughs> and that's where you you are going to get married once it's ready. That's if I can get her to this side of the river. She loves Ohio, and her daughter lives in Ohio. And uh, but now she's definitely going to be helping me with the venue. I mean, a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, but no, this is open for anybody that wants to get married. It's got a kitchen, and like I said, it's going to be. Uh, Amish made gazebo out back, fancy gazebo, and uh, heated and air conditions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, nice. that's just, yeah, I just thought I'd throw in a little Rob, plug you, there. Say, Rob, Rob, you and Nicole could renew your vows there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I seen you got you just had your right second there. child a year or two ago. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I've got the well, I got two two boys that are there, three and five. Okay, well, I had read. Yeah, I've done a little research on you, see what you've been up to, and I've seen where you've had a couple. Yeah. Nothing, nothing like them youngins. It's the best, best years of your life. Yeah. Well, yep. um, absolutely. I, yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, it doesn't always feel like it, but uh, that uh, I got to keep perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. T Bird, anything else for Roger? Roger. No, I just want to say, Roger, thank you so much. I, I missed, I missed meeting you last month at Big Tom's. You were supposed to be at Big yeah, Tom's, and I yeah. know something came up. I so know. this was the second yeah. time I was yeah. there. I was hoping to meet you. Um, so I'm so glad we've gotten to talk today. You know, you and I have a bond. Uh, we were both voted out in uh, fifth position on day 36. That's yeah. when I went out in Africa. So why did they vote us two out? You know, we we both deserve to win that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, hey, so Roger, I was the very last one of my tribe that was left. So I was the very last one. Yeah. And you would have been the last one of yeah. your tribe left if you hadn't have sacrificed yourself for, for Elizabeth. So, you know, True. I said this True. at the beginning, yeah. so yeah. I'll, I guess I'll just finish with this. I mean, you are a perfect candidate with your resume, even at, you know, the the at the mature age of 53. And, and I feel sure at 72, you could go out there stronger than ever with your, you know, and again, yeah. with as loved and respected as you are, were back then and still are, you know, I would love to see you play again. And I'm not going to count that out. So thank you so well, thank much you. for being heart. with us today. Thank you very much, Rob T. Bird. Nice talking to you too. And uh, it's been an enjoyable. What's it been? Well, we've been on about an hour or so, yeah. or maybe longer. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. All right, well, Roger, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you. Congratulations right. on the the engagement, and uh, yeah, hope to uh, see some of those wedding pictures on Facebook eventually. There you go. There you go. I do too. Yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, Roger. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye, Roger. Bye, T Bird. All right, T Bird. There you go. Another an, another great one, Bird Dog. Oh. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh my gosh, that was so awesome! You know what? Hey, Rob, I think I think we made a mistake. Did you say at the beginning before we started that this was our talking with T Bird? This was our tenth interview, our tenth chat, our tenth conversation. 
No, it was the ninth. A ninth. It was okay. the ninth. It, I looked. I was. It was ninth. So we got to do something big for ten. Yes. Okay. Something like really well, big. You, you have an exclusive. I don't. Oh, okay. No, I don't have an exclusive. And the problem that I got going now is now I've got a do not fly list per you per our last conversation that we had. So, hey, I didn't even check with you about Roger before I talked with him because I figured if Roger's on the do not fly list, we might as well end this whole, this, we better, uh, you know, end the series now if Roger was on the do not fly list. So I did not no. get approval for Roger, but I have been told, I'm letting the list I do like know, it when you, told, when you check with me. I do have a do not I, fly I, list. I, I, that I, I would prefer if you would like, like say, like, hey, how about this person? And then I could say, yes. I know, but this is it. If you tell me no, you know I'm going to beg you and plead with you to please let me have them because those are the guests that are going to be really good because of the, the maybe a little bit of, I don't want to say controversy, but a, it just might make it a little bit the drama and everything. Okay, I'll go. I'll make sure I talk to you first. Okay. I will. All right. I will. Uh, I will. Because uh, I, I, I know the audience. Okay. I, I know what they like. I know the audience. I've been I've been podcasting I, with for uh, for nine years with them. I I know I know what they're looking for. Hey, and not only that, you just went to a three or four day seminar how to be a podcaster in Orlando, and you were talking and everything. So I guess I'm going to have to know you've got the credentials now for sure. Mm-hmm. So all right, all right. Okay. Hey, so this is your question for today. This is your question for today. So Kentucky Joe. And just like Big Tom, farmers, um, and we talked about how he said he wears, you know, Big Tom is always in overalls every day. And even Kentucky Joe said when he's pouring cement, he's in overalls as well. So anyway, I found this really thing I thought was so interesting. And this is, you know, on the overalls and on pants, even just on regular jeans now. What are you wearing right now, Rob? (laughs) T-Bird, this is uh, inappropriate. I'm wearing shorts. Well, I, I'm wearing I mean, shorts. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere shorts. with this. You have on? Oh, you have on shorts. Oh, I thought you might. That's right. It's this time I mean, of year. It's, and the, you're middle, in California. it's the middle of okay, August. Okay, I thought maybe you'd have yeah. on jeans. Okay. Do you know if your hat on a pair of jeans? There's a little tiny baby pocket. Okay. To your okay. left of yeah. your jeans. I mean, it's such a little baby baby yeah, okay. pocket. What is that teeny tiny pocket? That's too small for anything. What is it used for? Um, I have some guesses. Oh my gosh, I won't, I know. Uh, could you put your key in there, T Bird? Okay, well, you you can, but then if you try to sit down, it's going to be a big ouchie because it's going to get you right there in your hip. But you could use whatever. But but the reason, so the reason they they still make the teeny tiny pockets on pants is actually from. The waist overalls. So way back in the 1800s when they made the overalls, okay. that little pocket was made for something. Now that you know it was done in the 1800s, what was that little teeny tiny pocket I was going to guess a, a prophylactic, but I the, the, now I don't think that that was uh, common then. So I don't, I don't know, T-Bird. Okay. It's, it was for little pocket watches. Oh, okay. That's cute. Yeah. Pocket watches. Who knew? And and so still, they still had that little teeny tiny pocket, not just on waist overalls, but now just on regular jeans because just to kind of preserve the integrity of the, you know, Levi Strauss jeans. Mm. So there you go. Okay. There it okay. is. 
There you go, Tifer. Acquiring minds. Yeah. Well, good, jo- good job so on between, that. Great work today. So between the teeny tiny pockets, yeah, between the teeny tiny pockets on the overalls and the, the wear as kale, you know, things you, you, you need to know. Hmm. Things we've got to find out. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. T-Bird, uh, great job. You've done it again. Thank you. Yeah. It was so fun. We got, do you know, I did not know that, and I probably should have. Did you know that they were supposed to jump out of airplanes, parachute, not tandem, but by themselves for Australia? Yes, I, I did. I did know that. I think I probably should have known mm-hmm. that. Okay, so did you know that they were supposed to ride in on camels uh, for the one that um, Sean was supposed to be yeah, doing? I th- they switched when they were going to do yeah, Jordan. Did he say that? I feel like that that came, that came up uh, somewhere. I feel like well, I, I had actually found that in my research that if it had been in Jordan, they were supposed to come in on yeah. camels. Okay. So we All just right. came in on tra- We just came in on transport trucks. <laughs> we that's did. All we came in on. I guess that's good. I, I guess be careful what you wish for. <laughs> okay. All right, T Bird. Great job once again. You can follow the great at T Bird Cooper on Twitter. Also, is that your Instagram also, T Bird? Yes, T Bird Cooper. You post the videos of you on a treadmill running and getting set. And so uh, you do such a great job with that, T Bird. Thank you, Ross. Thank you very much. I enjoy it. I'm having fun with it. I'm loving the series. I hope the listeners are enjoying it too. And still, you guys, send me the requests, the recommendations. I promise you, whenever I get one on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I've got a list here of people that you want. Whenever I hear them, or second, or third, or fourth, or fifth time, I've got stars by them. I'm out there looking them up. Now, we've got a do not fly list, but don't worry. If we get ones that we're not sure about, yeah. we'll talk Dude, Robin like to it, okay, guys? Uh, on the do not fly list, T-Bird. You're making it seem like... Oh, you only gave me... I know, but it makes it fun to say to say that. Hey, I only have oh, two okay. names on my tuna. There's three, five hundred uh, some odd survivors. Like, uh, there's a very small list of people uh, we're not right. we're we're not talking to, and then and so uh, I think we're I, I think we're fine. I think we're fine. But, but you know, the listeners are crazy right now, thinking who are the who are the three. I only know two of the three. So once we close this down, I got to have the third one just in case. Okay, just in case. Okay, all right. T-Bird, great job once again. Thanks to the patrons of Rob as a Podcast who make all this podcasting possible. Find out more about everything we're doing at robhasawebsite.com slash patron. And we had uh, a really great uh, Facebook Friday last week. I, I made that uh, available that anybody can see on our Patreon page. Uh, then at Hearts of Reality, one of our patrons, John John Johnston, was down there. Uh, and Brett LaBelle took the phone and was uh, going through everybody at Hearts of Reality. So uh, that was really, really fun. And then John John was finding more people. So if you want to check uh, out what we do on a Facebook Friday, which I have coming up later on today, you can see that at robhaswebsite.com slash patron. T-Bird. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you, Rob. Bye. If you.